This is one of the most convicting messages I have ever written in my life. I've preached hundreds of sermons, if not thousands of sermons in my life. But I'm going to be very honest with you. When I prepare sermons, I pray that, God, I, I do what I'm preaching. And as he began to give this sermon to me, and my heart became wrapped around this passage, I got to the place where I was literally broken. My prayer is that we come here and we, we celebrate and we hear an uplifting message and we walk out unchanged and, and I sit back and I say, what was the point? God's word has a way. I have hundreds, thousands of books in my library. Trust me, I know I just unpacked all of them and put them on those shelves. I've read a lot of them. But none of them have changed my life like this book here. This is God's holy word. And if you will allow it, if you today will allow this word to go past the Sunday school answers, past the shield that so many of us as followers of Jesus have, have put up. If you will allow this word to penetrate your heart, trust me, you will walk out of here changed the way he has changed me through this message today. I want to share with you from Matthew chapter 28. As we are continuing our followers series, we're talking about engage and, and how we must engage the community outside the walls of this church. And the message this morning, the title of the message this morning is this, followers of Jesus share. Followers of Jesus share. One of the main purposes of the Christian life is to introduce others to Jesus. I said one of the main purposes of the Christian life is not to come in and sit and sour and soak, but to go out and to share the good news of Jesus with those who have never heard it. Jesus said, follow me. He said, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. In today's vernacular, he said, followers of mine, they go out and make other followers. That's what Jesus said. Follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. I heard about a man who was fishing on a government lake, a place he wasn't supposed to be fishing. And he was fishing with dynamite. He would light a stick of dynamite and he would throw it in the water and it would blow up. Now, I guess I need to put a little caveat. You know how you watch commercials and they make these big, bold statements in little, small, fine print, don't do this at home, don't do that at home. <laughs> But he was lighting this dynamite, throwing it overboard, throwing it in the water, and the, the, the dynamite would explode, and, and within a radius, it would blow up, and the fish would just come to the surface, and he would take a net, and he would gather them up. Well, the game warden was called in, and, and he saw this, and he walked up to the man, and he said, sir, you're in a whole lot of trouble. The fisherman said, well, well sir, officer, why, why am I in trouble? The warden said, number one, you're not supposed to be fishing on this lake. And number two, you certainly cannot fish with dynamite. So the fisherman took a, another stick of dynamite. He lit it. He handed it to the game warden and said, now are you going to keep talking or are you going to start fishing? <laughs> <laughs> I 
As Christians, we do a lot of talking sometimes, but we don't do much fishing. We do a lot of talking about Jesus, but we don't go out and we don't share a lot about Jesus. People need to be saved. People need to be saved. There are 138,000 more lost people in the world today than there was yesterday. 138,000 more lost people today than there was 24 hours ago. In seven days, at the rate that our world is growing, the population our world is growing in, in seven days, there will be one million more lost people on the face of this earth. 150,000 people die every single day. Only 2% of them know Christ. 150,000 people lose their life across this world and only 2% know Jesus as Savior and Lord. If you lined up all of the lost people in our world today that are alive today, all of the lost people, and they hold hands, that, that holding hands, all of those people holding those hands, making that circle will wrap around the world 30 times. There's a lot of lost people in our world. And I believe that the greatest sin, the greatest failure the average Christian makes is silence. We've sat back and we've watched our world deteriorate. We've sat back and we've watched our country deteriorate. Yeah, it's easy to blame it on the president, isn't it? No matter who he is, it's easy to blame it on him. It's not his fault, it's our fault. It happened on our watch, church. And the greatest sin I believe that many of us have committed is the sin of silence. According to God's word, we cannot be silent about the conviction that we have. Listen to what he says in Matthew chapter 28, verse 18. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given unto me. He said, Go therefore, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always, even until the end of the age. The mission of Aloma Church, the mission of really any church, is, is encapsulized within that little word, that little two-letter word, go, G-O. Somebody has observed that that little word, go, is two-thirds of the word, God. Half of the word good and a third of the word gospel. It's a little word, but it has a big meaning, doesn't it? The main problem with, with churches today is not that they don't know their mission. This is one of the most preached passages in the church today. It's not a problem that we as the church, we, we know our mission. It's simply that we refuse to do it. The fact is, if we're not going and making disciples, then we have failed in our mission. We have failed our mission, church. I hate to say it, but for many in the church, the great commission has become the great omission. In our lives, we're not concerned about those outside. We're only concerned about ourselves and those on the inside. I say as plainly and as boldly as I can... It is time for we, the church, to get the heart of Jesus and become concerned about the lostness outside the walls of our church. 
It's time for us to stop playing church and be the church. It's time for us to stop just gathering around in our huddles. And it's time for us to break outside of those huddles and get in the game because there is a lost and dying world out there that does not know Jesus. The churches in our country that are growing are doing so primarily because of transfer of membership. You know how it goes. Somebody gets mad at their church and they go and they go and join the church down the road because they got good music or they got good preaching or they, it, it's not as cold in that church or it's not as loud in that church. And, and these churches are growing by transfer of membership. Many, if we're honest, most churches are not impacting the lostness around them. They're not. Statistics show that it takes 50 Southern Baptists to reach one person for Christ. 50 of us in the room, 50 of us sitting right here in this little section, it takes 50 of us to reach one person for Jesus. 50 to 1, that's not good odds. Do you know the average number of people a year that are baptized in a Southern Baptist church? The Southern Baptist Convention, the most evangelical denomination on the face of this planet. The most conservative denomination of churches that believe in the inerrancy and infallibility of Scripture. The Southern Baptist Convention, a a network of churches that have come together and rallied around this word saying we believe in the inerrant, infallible word. We believe that Jesus is the only way to heaven. Southern Baptist Convention, over 16 million members strong. You know how many the average church baptizes in a year? Seven. Seven. 16 million members. 46,000 churches. And on average, a church will only baptize seven people a year. Let's be very honest. With those kind of numbers, it becomes very obvious that, our, that we take our faith and we take our Lord for granted. I submit to you that as followers of Jesus, those numbers should break our hearts. As followers of Jesus, we should see that and we say, oh, whoa, whoa. That's not a good thing. It's not a good thing when only seven people in a Southern Baptist church will come to faith in Christ in one year. There's 52 weeks out of the year. What are they doing the other weeks? There's 365 days in a year. Only seven people? Only seven. And that's just the Southern Baptist Convention. Those are actually good numbers when you start comparing them against the Methodists and the Presbyterians. We as the church, we've missed something. We've missed something. We've sat back for so long that we've become excited about coming together as believers and fellowshipping, and worshiping, but we're missing the main point, which is going and sharing. The world is becoming more lost. 
And hear me, it's not wrong to come into fellowship and enjoy each other's company. I, I love hanging out with you. And you love hanging out with one another. And fellowship is a vital part of the church, but it's not the only part. Discipleship is a vital part of the church, but it's not the only part. Evangelism is important. And you say, well, pastor, the world is changing and it's becoming less and less and less like Christ. Is it too late? Is it too late? What can I do? Is there anything I can do? I am only one individual. I'm only one person. Is there anything that I can do? The answer is yes, and it's going to start with you. It's going to start with you because you need to realize that as a follower of Christ, yes, you are one person, but the Spirit of God and the power of God rests inside of you. You are one person, but you are filled with the Spirit of God. You are just one person, but the Spirit of God has empowered you, has emboldened you to take the gospel out. Yes, you are just one person, but you are filled with the Spirit of God. Yes, you are just one person, but you are anointed by the hand of God. Yes, you are just one person, but you are empowered by the fire of God and entitled as a child of God and called by the Word of God. Yes, you are just one person, but you are set apart by the truth of God and blessed by the power of God as a child of the King. Yes, you are just one person, but as a child of the King, you become emboldened and you are a part of that body of Christ, the bride of Jesus, his church. Therefore, together, we are a force, F-O-R-C-E, force. Together as the body of Christ, we are a force to be reckoned with. Not even the gates of hell can prevail against the force of the church. And we are a force for good if we will submit our will to the will of God. So no, it's not too late. We can make a difference. If I believed it was too late and that this was too far gone, I would not be preaching this message right now. I would be preaching three ways how you can have a successful life. Three ways that you can smile tomorrow when you go to your job. If I believe that everything was just gone to pot and there's no way that we can change, then that's the type of message that you would hear. But I'm not going to preach that because I don't believe that. I believe. Yes, as we look and we see things that are dismal, but I believe that you and I together can make a difference to impact the lostness around us. Do you believe that? Do you really believe that? Do you really believe that we can come together and we can be a force to impact this culture around us? Do you believe that? Let's see what God's Word has to say. We as believers, when we engage those outside of us, I believe that we can. As your pastor, I'm excited to see. I love you, Aloma Church. And I'm excited to see what God is going to do. As I look through the eyes of faith, I can see great things through this church. I believe that God is going to do great things through us and by us. I can see through the eyes of faith and I see what God is going to do through Aloma Church if we submit our will to Him. In this great commission, we're given two reasons why we should be excited about our mission. All hope is not lost. We have hope. Number one, his authority enables us to go. His authority enables us to go. Look back. 
at verse 18, and Jesus came and said to them, all authority. Did Jesus say in some authority in heaven on earth has been given to me? No. Did Jesus say in most authority in heaven on earth has been given to me? No. Jesus said all authority. The Greek word for all there is pontos. Get your pen out. You ready? I'm going to give you the definition for pontos. It means all. Every bit of it. So Jesus said all authority, not some, not most, but all authority has been given unto me. This is important. He talks about the church's authority. You see, we can't carry out verse 19 until we have the assurance of verse 18. Did you hear me? We can't go and do verse 19 until we're assured of verse 18. It's so much more. It's not enough to simply have the ability to do something. You must also have the authority to do it. I have the ability to take a handgun through the airport and come all the way up to the screening. I, I have the ability to do that. But I don't have the authority to get through that security line. I have the ability to do it, but I don't have the authority to do it. Just because you have the ability doesn't mean that you can go and do it. You have to have the authority. But listen to this. If you've got the authority, then you will have the ability. Just because you have the ability doesn't mean that you have the authority, but once you have the authority, then you will have that ability. That's important. That's important. Because Jesus has given to us that authority. He said, all authority on heaven and earth has been given unto me. Therefore, go. Go and do this. This, this is called the Great Commission. The Great Commission is found in Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, the book of Acts. Five times the resurrected Lord tells his followers to go. Go. You're not reading the grand suggestion. You're not reading a great request. You're re reading a command. In the Greek, this is a command. It's not go if you feel like it. Maybe go one or two days out of the week, but no, it's, it's a command. This is a lifestyle. It's a lifestyle. Go. And I thank God that Jesus has all authority, don't you? The authority that Jesus has is absolutely unlimited. The Bible here says he has all authority in heaven and on earth. In other words, he has the authority over the physical world, and he also has the authority over the spiritual world. He has authority over every king and every president, every dictator, every military leader on earth. But he also has all the authority over all the angels, all the demons, even Satan himself. What that means is we don't have to go and ask permission to share the gospel. We don't have to get on our knees and cry out to God and say, God, is it your will for me to share the gospel? Jesus already told us, yes, this is my will. Go do it. There's some things in life you don't have to pray about. Sharing the good news is one of them. And because of this, because of his authority, we can share the word of God boldly. Because you see, we have, we have the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ. His authority enables us to go. 
But secondly, his plan encourages us to go. Look there with me. Verse 19, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. You see it there? It's all about bringing people to Jesus. It's all about bringing people to Jesus and equipping the Christ followers. That's the Great Commission. To see the lost saved and the saved discipled. It's that simple. It's that simple. To see those that are far away from God come to God and those who know God to grow in God. That's the Great Commission. Here's a simple truth. Every follower of Jesus should go and make other followers of Jesus. If you're not, then you're failing. Every follower of Jesus should go and make other followers of Jesus. This command is not given just to those who are called to be pastors. Those who are called into seminary. Those who have been called as deacons or life group leaders or, or whatever office you may hold in the church. It's not just for a select few. Jesus didn't say, if you are a pastor, then you go. He looked at all of his followers and said, all of us go. We're to make disciples of whom? Look at it. He says, go therefore and make disciples of Orlando. No, Orlando's not mentioned in the Bible. He said, go therefore and make disciples of all nations. Of all nations. As the little song goes, red and yellow, black and white, they are precious in His sight. God is not concerned with the color of a person's skin, only with the condition of a person's heart. And Aloma Church, I, I've been praising you today. And I want to praise you one more time. I want to tell you how much I love you and another reason why I love you, Aloma Church. Another reason why I love you is because you are colorblind. You don't see color. White, black, brown, it, it doesn't matter. And that's unique. Not a, lot, not a lot of pastors can say that about their church. But thank you, Aloma Church, for being like that. It's a part of our DNA. It's a good thing. But hear me very clearly. Aloma, we have not arrived. Though there's a lot of good things about Aloma Church and a lot of good things that can be said about Aloma Church, listen to me, there are some things that we have to work on. This is where the rubber meets the road. This is where it comes very, very hard to preach and very, very hard to hear. But don't close me off. Now more than ever, open your ears. Take down, take down that suit. Take down that false sense of pride. Take it down. Go ahead. Take it down and allow God to speak to us in the next few moments. He says that we are to go into the world and to do this. In order to go into something, you must get out of something in the first place. So if we're going to go into the world, we must get out of the church. 
I said, if we're going to go into the world and reach the world for Christ, we've got to get out of this building to do it. The church, the church is not a country club for Christians only. Did you know that the church is the only voluntary association in the world that exists for the benefit of non-members exclusively? We're for the lost person. Yes, there is an element of fellowship, an element of discipleship, an element of worship, but the church, the body of Christ exists according to this commission to go out and not to simply just pour in. Yes, that is an element, but we must go out. We must make disciples. We must make disciples. That's what he says here. Go therefore and make disciples. Share your faith. We make disciples. The second thing we're to do is to mark disciples. He's to go and into all the nation and all the world making disciples. Then he says, baptizing them. You see it there in the text? He says, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. That's the first step a disciple takes when he gives his life to Christ. As soon as a person comes to faith in Christ, as soon as a disciple is made, as soon as a person begins to follow Jesus... He then follows and he goes into believer's baptism. In fact, listen to me, don't miss this. Every follower of Jesus Christ after this commission is given, without exception, always when they came to know Christ, they were always baptized following their salvation. You don't believe me? Acts chapter 2 verse 41 Then those who gladly received his word were baptized. That day 3,000 souls were added. Acts chapter 8, verse 38. So he commanded the chariot to stand still. Both Philip and the eunuch went down in the water and he was baptized. Acts 9, 18. Immediately there fell from his eyes what seemed to be scales and he received his sight at once. And then he went and was baptized. Acts chapter 10, verses 47 and 48. Can anyone forbid baptism from those who have received the Spirit as we have? And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord. Acts chapter 16, verses 14 and 15. A certain person named Lydia heard us. She was a seller of purple from the city of Thyatira. They worshiped God and the Lord opened her heart and she was baptized. The Bible says in Acts chapter 16, 30. Sirs, what must I do to be saved? They said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. And he did his whole household and he was baptized. Acts chapter 18, verse 8. And many of the Corinthians hearing believed and were baptized. I'll be preaching a message very soon. In fact, on June the 2nd, I'll be preaching a message on baptism. Why we believe what we believe about baptism. As followers of Jesus, we are identified in Christ by baptism. That's our confession. We'll get there. But suffice to say in this message today, because we have to deal with it because it's here in the text, suffice to say this, baptism does not make you a believer, but it marks you as a believer. Baptism doesn't make you a believer, but it marks you as a believer. Now, I'm going to say something, and I very well could offend someone with this statement. 
you're going to learn something about me. I, I don't set out to offend people. That's not my goal. But in all the years I've preached, I know that when you preach the word of God, people will be offended because the word of God is offensive. So if I offend you with this statement, it comes directly from the word of God. And because of that, if I offend you with this statement, you can come and apologize to me in a little bit. If you're a believer in Christ and you've never been baptized, you're living in disobedience. If you're a believer in Christ and you've never been baptized, then you are living your life in disobedience. In accordance with his word, you are to be saved and you are to be baptized by immersion following your salvation. On June the 2nd, we're going to have a big celebration of baptism as a Loma church. When I preach on baptism, we're going to baptize if you've never been baptized, I encourage you to let us know so we can baptize you so that you can stop living in disobedience. Number three, we're to mature disciples. This is the plan that Christ gave us. You go out to see the lost saved. You baptize them. You mark them. And then he said you teach them to observe. You, you disciple them. You mature the disciples. We're to lead people to a saving knowledge of Jesus. Then we are to uh, baptize them into the local fellowship, the body, the church. And then we are to take that young convert and we are to teach them the commands of Christ. It's not hard. It's three steps. Go out, baptize, and teach. But you know what the church of Christ has done today? x off number one because it's too hard. Therefore, number two just doesn't happen very often. Again, only seven baptisms in the typical Southern Baptist church a year. And if we're going to be honest with those statistics, you know, statistics, you can make statistics read however you want them to. The truth is when we say that uh, most Southern Baptist churches on average baptize only seven people, the fact of the matter is the reason why that number is so high is because of churches that go out and do evangelism. 70% of Southern Baptist churches baptize zero people in a year. 70%. Baptize a big goose egg. None. Why? Is it because they're not preaching the Great Commission? No, they're preaching it. Trust me, the preacher is preaching it. And trust me, the people believe it. But where it stops is that it stops in here. It doesn't go outside the walls of this church. It doesn't translate into action. And that's the problem. We're so worried we're going to offend someone with the gospel that we hold it in. We're so worried that we're going to offend someone or, or somebody's going to look at us in a different light if we open up and we say, you know what, I'm the follower of Christ. Let me tell you what that means. We're, we're so afraid of rejection that we don't do that. And you know how I know we're so afraid of rejection? You know how I know that we become so inwardly focused? You say, preacher, you're talking to me. You know why I know I'm talking to you? Because I'm talking to myself too. I'm not standing here saying that I got it all together. I was, and I'm not saying this to brag. I, I really am not. But I was in here for I don't know how long on Friday afternoon on my knees because God gave me this message and God broke my heart because I know how bad I am. So I'm not saying follow me. 
I'm not saying look at your pastor and, and do as he's doing. Yes, I witness. Yes, I share my faith. But I don't do it the way I should. And if we're honest, none of us do. So let's stop playing the church games. Let's stop saying, oh, pastor, amen. Preach to him, pastor. No. Let's, let's let the word of God, his holy word that changes lives, allow it to impact you and me. So that when we walk out of here, we walk out of here changed, different, motivated, empowered. Not just walking around like we do in a country club. Let's be honest, we're not perfect. The church is not a country club. The church is a hospital full of sick people. And I am the worst patient We're sick with sin. If you're looking for a church home and you're looking for that perfect church, there's no such thing as a perfect church. And run from any church that says they are perfect because it's not true. The reason why is because a church is made up of imperfect people. But let me tell you about Aloma Church. While we don't have everything figured out, we do a lot of things well. We love our Lord. We love his word. And what motivates me is that I know that many of us have received this message in the spirit that it was meant. And God, through the spirit, is convicting some of us, telling us that we're not perfect. We don't have it together. We're not right. We need to do more. You know, let's, let's think of it this way. Many in this room, in some form or fashion, We've been affected by cancer, whether personally or whether through a family member or a friend. And and if it's not happened to you, it will happen. It will. I can say in full confidence that I hate cancer. It took my papa. It took my grandfather. It's taken me and my friends, taken other family members, taken your family members. I, I hate cancer. I do. But suppose you had the cure for every type of cancer. Suppose you had the cure that would cure melanoma, that would cure pancreatic cancer, that would cure lung cancer. And you had this recipe and you, you wrote it on a post-it note. And you took that recipe and you only shared it with those that are very close to you, your closest friends and family. But for whatever reason, you, you stuck that piece of paper in your pocket and you didn't take it worldwide. You, you just kept it to yourself. What type of, what, what would you say about a person that would do that? What a jerk, right? I mean, let's call it what it is. Why would you do that? That's a boneheaded thing to do. You have the cure for all cancer and you stick it in your pocket and you don't take it when all of these people out here are suffering and dying because of cancer and you've got the answer and you're going to be so close-minded and so selfish that you're going to put it in your pocket? I guarantee you that's what you would say. You would be angry about it. Christian, 
follower of Christ, we do that every day with the gospel. You see, we may not have the cure for cancer, but we have the cure for something that's a whole lot more devastating than cancer. It's called sin. And while cancer will kill the physical body, sin will separate the spiritual. It will separate you from God and send a person to hell. And you and I, we, we, have, we have the answer. It's right here in his word that Jesus saves. And here's what we do on a daily basis. We take it and we put it in our pocket. We fold our arms. And you know what we're saying when we do that? We're saying to the people outside this church, we say, I don't care about you. You just go on and go to hell. I don't care about you. I, I may share it with those who, who I'm closest with, with my friends and my family, but for everybody else, I really don't care about you. You can just go to hell. That's what we're saying. That's what we're saying. God, forgive me. God, forgive us for being so close-minded. God, bring your convicting power upon this church and upon these people and upon me. Because, Father, we don't have it all together. God, we do so many things right. But, Father, we are so selfish. So, God of the heavens, bring conviction and pierce our hearts and give us the heart of Jesus. Help us to be able to look outside the walls of this church and say as Jesus did, look, the fields are ripe unto harvest. The Father, you've made the fields ripe to harvest and we're holding on to the sickles not going out. Father, forgive us. <laughs> 